Realtors Realcast. I'm your host, Maura Neal, and today's episode is all about best practices for realtors during COVID-19. Last week, our Governor Brian Kemp issued an executive order for shelter in place for the entire state of Georgia. Regardless of how you are faring during this time, whether you are thriving under the shelter in place and work from home environment, or you're finding that you have struggles, working from home with your spouse or significant other, being home alone, dealing with the unique challenges of homeschooling, it appears that everyone has their own stresses and struggles during this time. Not to mention, figuring out how to continue to run your real estate business when we're really not supposed to leave the house. My special guest today is Bobby Howe, 2020 president of the Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors. We're going to talk about those best practices for real estate agents, the ones that can keep you and your clients safe and healthy, but also help you keep up with your business during these unprecedented times. As a second-generation real estate professional, Bobby has over 20 years' experience in the real estate industry. She's the 2020 Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors president, the 2020 Immediate Past Chair of Strategic Thinking Advisory Committee for the National Association of Realtors, 2020 Chair of Strategic Planning for the Missouri Realtors, and is a realtor for Keller Williams, Kansas City North. She has a passion for speaking on the topic of mental health for realtors and those in the real estate industry. In her spare time, she loves running marathons and being an association junkie. She is our guest today because KCRAR was one of the first large regional associations affiliated with a large regional MLS to deal with shelter-in-place ordinances that covered a wide range of municipalities. Bobby and the KCRAR CEO and staff worked tirelessly to create a best practices document with recommendations that have become the inspiration and reference for many other associations and MLSs to follow. I'm thrilled to welcome this amazing leader, realtor, and my best friend to the podcast. So, Bobby Howe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, in air quotes. <laughs> I am thrilled to welcome you to GA Realcast by the Georgia Realtors. And you, for me, were an obvious choice for us to have this conversation today about general best practices and best practices working with buyers and sellers dealing with the coronavirus and these unprecedented times that we are living and working in right now. But even though I've gone through kind of your process as president of um, KCRAR from basically the moment that you found out that Kansas City was going to put shelter in place orders in, in place, why don't you describe briefly what that process has been like for you as the president of a large local association dealing with members and, and broker questions and member questions and the public officials and all of the pieces of this puzzle that you've been dealing with uh, during this time? So I'm so glad that you opened two hours to have this podcast today as I go through <laughs> all of the steps of everything that we've had happen. Um, and actually, before our shelter-in-place order actually came for the greater Kansas City region, uh, we actually had already started taking proactive steps, knowing this was eventually coming. We had a uh, local real estate techie conference, if you will. Mara, you've spoke at it before, our recharge. We actually had that on um, March the 4th. And the day before is when things really kind of started exploding um, as far as people starting to become a little bit concerned that some stuff was going to be coming down the pipelines. And so we rushed all around Kansas City to find these hand sanitizer stations and to put up these signs as people came to the conference so that they would feel a sense of protection. But this was back early March. I mean, this is almost a month ago, well before shelter in place, well before social distancing, all of those kind of things came into place. Uh, right after that, uh, our association AE, Kip Cooper and staff, they started working to get all 40 of our staff members to work remotely. So within a two-week time frame, we were actually able to get all of our staff moved out working from home, except for our accounting staff. And then on a Saturday night at 6 p.m. is when we got the stay-in-place order, and the only staff we had left was accounting. We were able to get them out the next Monday morning. Um, starting that Saturday night, 
I started working with staff to work with our local governments to figure out would we be allowed to finish the closings we had in our pipeline. Uh, KCRAR encompasses a 34 county region, both in Missouri and Kansas. So we had a two states and a whole lot of counties and a bunch of city governments and municipalities that we were dealing with. So it wasn't just as simple as one local entity we were dealing with. Uh, we started figuring out, could we get the closings done that we needed to do? We had 6,302 pending transactions in the pipeline in our region. We had another 5,457 properties that were still active on the market with people that needed to sell during this time. So we actively started working with our officials to figure out what we were allowed to do, what we were not allowed to do. And it was different in every single area. And it still continues to be different in every single area. So what we've done is we've created a map that has all of our counties. And there's a color coding system that allows our members to go look at it and easily tell, depending on not where they live, because some of our uh, members think that, depending on where they are practicing real estate, what they're allowed to do, whether they're considered essential, whether they're allowed to be considered, you know, they can only do closings, but no new showings or anything like that. And um, one of our counties actually, because there was still some, it was not real clear what was allowed and what was not allowed. A lot of our members kept going to city officials and kept pushing, can I do this? Can I do that? Finally, the county attorney stepped in and said, you know what? We're sick and tired of you pushing. We're just going to declare you not essential and you can't do anything at all. And so I think the thing that's really important for everyone to remember is that at any point in time, even if you've been declared essential, it can be taken away from you if, as I like to say, your members go acting a fool. Um, right. So. And, you know, that's something that we've been dealing with a lot here in, in the metro Atlanta area. And I don't just want to speak for Atlanta since our membership is obviously all over Georgia. And a lot of our members throughout the state work in a, in a wide area. So while mm -hmm. our associations may not cover the breadth of area that Kansas City does, um, especially in Metro Atlanta, but also in other parts of the state, they're working multiple cities or multiple counties. But the use of the word essential is one that you and I have talked about this, but we've, we see it a lot uh, in Facebook groups and a lot on social media, and it's getting banter, you know, battered around a lot and really, in a way, uh, abused, if, if yeah. for lack of a better word. One of the things that I have been telling agents in my brokerage um, and my brokers and then agents in my local association is a lot of the shelter in place orders or the executive orders, proclamations, whoever it is that is issuing these statements, city council, county commission, mayors, whomever, they are intentionally not mentioning businesses in such specificity for example, there are, yes, there are some states and cities and, that are saying real, real estate agents are essential or finding shelter is essential. But for example, one of the cities here in, the, in Georgia said professional services such as legal and accounting. Now, when our governmental affairs director went to the mayor or the mayor's office and asked, would you include real estate agents in that? They said, yes, but we just didn't want to get that specific. And I think it's that tacit agreement that you can continue working as long as you're smart about it. But to your point, the minute you start badgering them or abusing other obvious parts of the shelter in place or doing things that truly are not essential at this time, they're going to get real smart to your actions really quickly. And then they're going to start naming names, right? They're going to start naming specific businesses and industries. And, you know, I, I just got off a webinar with our local presidents for the uh, entire state of Missouri, and John Seabury said a really great quote in there. And it's not that we are essential, but the service we provide is essential to some people during this time. And I think that's mm -hmm. what's so key to all this is that we have to take a step back from ourselves, and we need to have very honest conversations with the people that we're helping to make sure that it's essential for them to buy or sell during this time. So that not only that we protect ourselves and we protect them, but we're also protecting our industry, our right to do business, and the general public's health as a whole. We have to take all those things into consideration. And yes, we are still in business, 
but this is not business as normal. This is a whole new type of business. And I think we'll see some forever changes that come out of this. Um, and that's why it was really important for us as an association to very early on offer some best practices to our membership and to make sure that they understood these are recommendations and suggestions on the way we believe our members should be behaving during this time. However, we're not their broker, so we can't ultimately control what they're actually doing other than a few things. We did take away a few things from them that they can't do, um, but for the most part, they're just recommendations. But we want people to behave in a very intelligent and smart manner and realize it's not business as normal right now. Right. And I think that's an important point that the purpose of the association at any level, local, state, or national, is not to govern its members. And even as independent contractors, too, it depends on your relationship and your agreement with your broker as to how much they can, quote unquote, govern you. But you made an interesting point as we were preparing for this talk, and um, we, you sort of touched on it, and I, and I said, wait, 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 let's save that for the recording. When your broker does put forth rules, for example, for right now, uh, during... Um, this time of dealing with COVID-19 coronavirus, if you as an agent break your broker's rules, your, e your broker's E&O insurance may not cover in the event that you get sued or there's other legal action, which means that, you know, who is then responsible in that lawsuit? Yeah, the agent's ultimately responsible if the E&O insurance doesn't cover you. For instance, our, my broker has taken an extremely conservative stance during this time, and he's probably one of the most conservative brokers in the KC metro region, which has some of our agents upset because they can't do some things that people in other brokerages are doing right now. However, my broker wants to, at the end of this, be able to look back and know we did everything we could to not only protect the general public, but our agents as well. So my particular broker, so we have, um, the MLS was able to stop all open house. You can't put a broker open house or a regular public open house in the MLS and it's not syndicating out to the sites. However, if a broker still wants to stick a sign in the yard and go have an open house, we can't govern that, unfortunately. We actually had that instance come up this weekend and we have no mechanism in place to offer consequences to someone because they, didn't, they couldn't put in the MLS, but they could still go do whatever they want to, even if it's a worst practice, essentially. However, my brokerage, he said, you're not having any open houses. So if you have an open house and something comes from that, whether it's somebody getting sick or somebody stealing something from the house or all the other things that can come, our E&O insurance is not going to cover you on anything like that. My broker has also shut down any listing of um, on Facebook of your listings. You're not allowed to do that during this time. And if you get caught doing it, he and he'll offer a, a warning first. He'll send your license back to the state. Like he's literally not playing during this time. And I think we need brokers to step up during this time. Right. And so, so it's an important um, uh, difference to be aware of, though, is that your association at the local and the state level at this point is offering you recommendations and suggestions. These are some, and for example, what we talk about on this podcast today, these are some recommendations for best practices. But your broker is ultimately the one that you need to be checking with and that you need to make sure that you're understanding what they are allowing and disallowing at this time. And I think, too, it's an important message for brokers to be sure that you're clear in your communication so that your agents know exactly what it is that you are supporting them doing and not supporting them doing during this time and, and being sure that everyone is aware of that. And I think one thing that's really interesting during this time, especially as someone in leadership with an association, is the differences amongst our members and what they think we should or should not be doing during this time. I have a good percentage of my membership that thinks that we should not be advocating to be essential at all, that all real estate should just be 100% shut down and nobody should be doing anything. Then I have a large percentage of my Membership that's angry that we've taken away their right to hold a public open house because they could only allow 10 people inside if they wanted to and things like that. Then we have people in the middle that just want us to put a whole bunch of rules into place, not suggestions, but actual rules that everybody has to follow. And if we just have those in place, that we could do that. I had an angry email from um, one of our members yesterday who was extremely angry that new listings were still going into the MLS. 
Um, they said, you know, vacant houses are probably okay, but there should be no new listings of any occupied homes. But that's a very myopic view, and that's not taking into account the seller's particular, you know, instance that they're going through. I know there's a whole lot of stuff that's been floating around um, Facebook yesterday, but it was, for example, the 80-year-old couple who moved into a small condo to cut expenses and put their four-bedroom home up for sale. They lost most of their life savings this month in the stock market crash. They must now sell their previous home immediately because they need those proceeds to sustain themselves financially. There's a great example of someone, it's essential to them to sell during this time because they can't pay their bills, they can't live during this time. So it's very easy to just be on the outside looking in and going, ah, there's another new listing coming on the market that shouldn't be without knowing the actual reasons involved. And that's why it's so important for our Realtor members to take this seriously and to actually ask those questions before they go on the market. Exactly. And I think it, it, it comes back to the, what a lot of, I've seen a lot of municipalities and states doing, which is naming the concept of shelter as being essential, mm -hmm. but not wanting to get into the weeds with naming real estate agents or the real estate industry or, or getting too specific with, you know, naming, um, getting into, because if you name real estate agents, then you need to name home inspectors and then you need to name um, appraisers. And while in those situations that real estate is essential to those individual sellers, that all of those parties become essential. So I think that that comes into that idea of tacit agreement and the concept of shelter being essential. And also something that we as, as realtors should be doing and, and do, I believe, rather successfully in our business under normal circumstances, which is identifying and acknowledging that the needs of every buyer and every seller are unique and different. And the most successful realtors are the ones who treat every buyer and every seller as a unique individual with their own set of circumstances. And for the example that you just named, and funny enough, I'm looking at the same Facebook post you are having this conversation, but there are those sellers who have those needs to sell right now that have literally nothing to do with the the coronavirus, but perhaps everything to do with some of the offshoots of that, like the stock market. Um, but also there are buyers who need to sell. There are buyers uh, in the medical profession who have just taken a job. Uh, we have a client, luckily they don't need to move until August, but she is in the medical profession and she's moving to Atlanta. And she doesn't have to look for a house right now. But if this continues another month or two, it's going to become essential that she travel here, ironically, from Kansas City, and start looking for a property and find a property and be able to either rent it, sign a lease, or purchase it and move, into, move forward with a closing. So it's important that we respect the rules that are put in place so that stricter ones don't follow. You know, you know this, your listeners don't know this, I'm actually helping two military families right now who are being transferred to our local base that we have. And they're being transferred in the middle of all of this and them having shelter is essential. They're both coming here from out of state and it's been one of the best experiences that I've ever had because for both of these families, I FaceTimed them through one home and then we wrote an offer um, one family is actually not even going to see this home until after closing because they just can't make it here. However, these are both out-of-town buyers. They normally would have come to town and we would have spent an entire weekend probably looking at 20 to 25 houses. So what has turned from a best practice from a practicality and safety standpoint has actually turned into a new way to do business going forward with these buyers and spending a lot less time. They're spending more time going through all the online resources and really narrowing down their stuff and that's just not being looky-loos. Now, that's better for me, it's better for them, and it's better for all the potential sellers' homes, even if no coronavirus was out there, of us traipsing through their homes and them having to leave their house. I think a lot of these best practices we see, will, we will still see them show up in the future. And I think that's what's so really fun and awesome about all this. It just really sucks that it had to come to this to get it done. Right. I think, I think a lot of industries, um, but very specifically ours, are going to find some new, creative, inventive ways of doing business. There, um, as much as I have not enjoyed some of the really obnoxious memes 
on social media that are, you know, making light of what, what really truly is a very serious situation. There was a rather funny one the other day having to do with Atlanta, which basically showed our map as it would look on Google Maps or on Waze. And usually we're used to it being all red, right? I'm just red everywhere because our traffic is so horrendous. And it was all green. And it said, see, all of you who are now able to work from home, you guys were the worst drivers. So if it, if it uh, solves some of our air pollution problems and smog problems, if it solves some of our traffic congestion problems, because maybe some industries where the either the industry itself didn't think it was possible to work from home or the the boss didn't want to allow those employees to work from home if we get some of those best practices out of this and to your point for real estate agents if it saves a buyer the if you have a realtor that you trust and it saves you the money and the time of having to travel to a city to look for a home i know with a lot of our military clients, that has been something that we've put into practice in the past, not because of a coronavirus situation, but if it means that you can FaceTime with a buyer through a property and make sure that they, you know, they're seeing the inside and the outside and all of the things that would be part of their decision. But if, when they trust you as a realtor, that becomes much more of a possibility. And to your point, it saves on the, let's look at every single home available scenario. And it really brings you down to, let's look at the ones that I could actually see myself buying. Let's look at the ones that actually fit the most of my needs and make those decisions in a more efficient way. And I think efficiency is something that's going to come out of this in a big way, not just for realtors, but for buyers and sellers and also other industries. I agree 100%. But let's talk about some best practices and let's go ahead and start with the buyers because um, we've talked about obviously following the um, rules that your broker puts forward um, and then obviously wanting to uh, follow the rules and the mandates and the proclamations of your city, your township, your county, your state, whoever it is that's issuing the um, official governmental orders. Um, and then, of course, it, we shouldn't have to touch on this, but let's go ahead and say it. Your own concern for your personal health and safety. There are, as you said, plenty of people in your association, and I'm, I'm, I feel heartened to see that we're seeing a lot more of that publicly proclaimed on social media. I'm choosing to stay home because I want to stay healthy. And it seems that that's happening, sadly, the more of us who know someone who either thought they might be sick and had a moment of fear or actually are sick with COVID-19. So keeping all of those things in mind, let's talk about some other buyer best practices. How can we continue to serve those buyers who actually do have a need where shopping for a home right now in a time of you know, uncharted waters and unprecedented circumstances, it really is necessary for them. What are some other things we can be doing other than the video showing aspect? So number one, you've actually already mentioned it. In number one, it's the, it's the video showing, it's looking through all the photos. It's, if a video showing isn't available, the very first thing we do is we ask the listing agent, do you have a video available? If not, is the seller able to shoot a video? That's the very first step out of all of this so that no one's actually entering the home necessarily. Once we get past that, um, if for some reason we need to see homes in person, which should be extremely limited, um, and even in the Kansas City area, people are writing um, offers on properties contingent upon seeing it in person, afterwards and we'll get to that when we get to the seller side I'm assuming we're going there I'm of course. good at assumptions um you know and if you do need to go in person it, the very first things like what you just mentioned you're only going through the homes you could see yourself living in if we exhaust all those options we can go back to the drawing board and maybe enter a few more but first of all we're only going to go through the ones you actually see yourself writing an offer on number two the only people that are going to enter that home are going to be the people that are writing and signing on the contract. Children need to be left in the car at a bare minimum, hopefully not come to the property at all. Mom and dad and brother and sister and aunt and uncle and everybody else that thinks they have an opinion, they don't get to see it during this time. And we've even gone a step further within my own brokerage of one person in the property at a time. 
If the home is occupied, we are asking the listing agent to have the seller turn on all the lights, open all the doors, have everything accessed. Uh, we are providing gloves to all our clients as they enter the property. We have hand sanitizer for them to use while they're coming out. It's going through the property as quickly as we can to minimize time um, set in the property. But those are just a few of the steps that we're taking for actual in-person showings, but it's keeping exposure to a minimum, and I think that's the key. I think it's really important to, to talk about the exposure piece. What we're so used to in our business, and part of it is because it's a relationship business, mm -hmm. and part of it is because for better or worse, there generally can be a lot of decision makers in the process who aren't actually signing the contract, ending up on the loan and or the deed. And I think that it's, it's fantastic that you mentioned that while it's nice to let your kids pick out their bedroom or it's wonderful that if, you know, the, the mother or father of the buyer um, has an opinion, you know, it, it wants to be involved or the buyer wants them involved, maybe that's the time that they get on FaceTime when they're in the house with that mother or father or child. And again, moving as quickly as possible, minimizing exposure, but as few people in the house as necessary. And I know from talking to you over the weekend, you were showing a house to a, a buyer and you sat in the car and it was a vacant home. So obviously you, I want to make that clear that you weren't letting a buyer or seller go through the house, go through a house without you where they could be, you know, touching someone else's things. But in a vacant house, you sat in the car and let your buyer go through the property one at a time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though that seller wasn't living there, it was still, it was um, minimizing exposure. It was respect to future buyers who might go through that property, um, future agents who might go through that property and just keeping that intact, whether the house is occupied or not. And then the other step to that um, is that when the showing is over and you go your separate ways, when you go home, your shoes need to come off before you enter your home. You probably should go ahead and enter into your garage and then take off your clothes. You probably shouldn't do that outside, um, but you should take off your clothing as soon as you get inside, you know, the bare minimum of your home. You should be washing those clothes immediately and you should be taking a shower yourself and your buyers need to be doing all these same precautions as well. Um, and if you've gone through a seller's home, this exact same thing when you get home, shed everything you had and wash it immediately. And another thing is I know people are using hand sanitizer and they're wiping surfaces. Your phone, when you are at these places, unless you're doing a FaceTime video, don't, first off, don't take your phone into the property if you don't have to take your phone into the property. But if you do, at the bare minimum, you should be Lysol wiping and spraying your phone down during this time. If you have a UV sanitizer, that'd be even better. Um, I didn't have one before all of this. Um, I'm investing in one now so that my phone can get sanitized because your phone is picking up a lot of things and we're washing everything else except that germ magnet that goes every, I'm pointing to it. You, no one can see this. I'm pointing to my phone right now. Um, well, and also then we're, then we're putting our phone up against our face Yeah, and we're talking on it or we're touching it and then touching our face thinking, oh, well, I washed my hands. And I do want to make the point, obvious disclaimer to anyone listening, Bobby and I are not medical professionals. We may no. be suggesting things that you think to yourself, oh my gosh, that's so over the top. Why would I take my clothes off and wash them? But why not be safe than sorry? Right. And all of the suggestions that Bobby is making and that I'm echoing or making myself are ones that we have been told and we have been hearing. And are we taking things to an extreme? Sure. But why not be safe rather than sorry? And I'm also guessing, Bobby, best practice is having this conversation with your buyer if you are looking at properties and, and at least knowing, having the peace of mind that you told them or better yet, put it in writing to them in an email prior to any showing. So that in the event that they did get sick, you could say, here are all of the recommendations that I made to you. So we actually, uh, our local association and several local and our local brokerage did as well. We've actually created a whole, a hold harmless document for buyers and for sellers that makes them sign stating they understand the risks involved with, as a buyer, entering someone else's house and as a seller, having people enter their homes during this time. And no matter what happens, it, it gives buyers and sellers a moment of pause to say, do I actually have to buy or sell right now? Because it's been pointed out to me on a piece of paper that I signed. 
Now, whether that ever hold up at a court of law or anything like that, that's not what's important in this. What's important is this is that you can verify you had the conversation with them. And I think it's an important conversation to have just to know that you had it. I know uh, my husband did uh, get a property, a property with a buyer under contract last week, which means that he did go and show them the property. Uh, the property was occupied. We took a lot of these same precautions and they understood they also had to buy right now. So we, we were looking at not are we essential in general, are we essential to this person's needs right now? And if we can say yes to that and then we follow these steps and, and honestly any others that you as a, as a real estate agent, as a realtor, find necessary for your own, you may be sanitizing your steering wheel, sanitizing the inside of your car door. Um, obviously, at the, well, maybe not obviously, I'm going to say obviously, um, we aren't putting people in our cars right now. They are following us to showings. That way, when they are in the home, they are getting back into their own car versus getting into ours. Does that cut down on the rapport that you can build when you're driving around with someone? Sure. But I also think that we're, my, uh, Ben and I have discussed making this a best practice that we use going forward. I like the hospitality piece of picking someone up and having them in your car and getting to know them and giving them bottles of water and snacks. But I also like that I lessen my liability in a lot of ways by not having that, that buyer riding around and, and sometimes their children or their mother and their father. And um, I think that that's a best practice that we're going to adopt going forward. That's actually a best practice that I actually adopted five or six years ago because I knew someone who got into a wreck while having someone in their car and then they, and it was someone else's fault. However, they just sued the ever loving, you know what, out of them. And so actually a long time ago, I instituted that best practice. The only time that I actually will allow someone in my car is an out of town buyer who has flown here and has no other transportation options other than to actually rent a car. Um, I will allow those people in my car, but I stopped letting anybody in my car a long time ago. And I've actually had absolutely zero pushback from anyone. I anticipated pushback. We always do that. We always think when we change things, oh, they won't like that. If you just set it out as an expectation from the beginning, that's all they know. And for a lot of them, they like having their own private conversation in the car in between mm -hmm. houses that we're not a part of anyway. And I'm okay with that. Right. I don't have to control every aspect of their life. Um, and I think the other thing that's really important during this time, and you know, you and I have had this conversation a lot, it's about whether an agent's coming from scarcity or coming from abundance. And yes. during these times where we might be trying to convince some buyers and sellers not to enter the market, agents will start to get scarcity-based around having enough business to sustain themselves during this time. However, when you come from a place of contribution to someone else, Karma is a really real thing and it will show up in your lives. And I think it's important that a best practice going forward, we continue to have those conversations, no matter whether it's coronavirus or anything else, is this the best time for that human being to enter the market during this time? Because we've always just been broadcasting, it's, it's a great time to buy and sell real estate. It's not always the best time for everybody given their life circumstances. Absolutely. And I think that as difficult of a conversation as that can be, to have sometimes we've all hopefully all of us in our careers regard regardless of how long anyone listening to this regardless of how long you've been a licensed real estate agent when you have that opportunity to tell someone maybe right now is not the best time for you to buy maybe right now is not the best time for you to sell and you're able to guide them to that decision because you know in your heart that while you'd love to make that commission check it's really not right for them. And sometimes the wait is just a couple of months or sometimes mm -hmm. the wait is, you know, maybe it's a year or two to really have the best credit or the best down payment. And they do have other options when you bring them to that place and they come back to you because ultimately they will, when they realize that you truly were looking out for their best interests rather than just for your bank account. So when they come back to you and they thank you, that's a great feeling. Is it great to have that one extra sale? Absolutely. But it's, an, it's even better when you know that you've helped someone make the right financial decision. And people pick up on commission breath really, really easily. That's it. <laughs> don't think that they don't know what you're up to. 
Absolutely. So let's, let's switch gears a little bit because um, I know there's probably going to be more that comes up about best practices working with buyers right now, but let's switch over to sellers because we, it's hard to talk about them completely separate from each other, but let's talk a little bit about sellers and I'm sure we'll pick up some extra buyer tips along the way. What are some things that you think right now or that you're telling um, agents in your association or that your broker has put into place best practices when you are working with a seller who actually does need to sell right now? Uh, and I'll talk about this from a couple of different angles. I'll talk about it from best practices as an agent and what our association is allowing people to do that's actually an exception to our MLS rules. Um, first of all, is that whenever possible, we need to be doing virtual listing appointments. Now we understand that that's not possible for every seller. Not every seller has a phone where they can FaceTime you or Google Duo you into their property. But whenever physically possible, physically that's a weird word to use, you know what I mean, um, we need to be doing those. You, you and I have a mutual friend that just did a virtual listing appointment yesterday. Mm-hmm. She was so completely nervous about it and then knocked it out of the ballpark and now it feels very natural to her and she was also able to have the conversation with this person that now is probably not the best time for you, but to use this time to get your house ready for when it is the right time. That's a great conversation to be happening. Um, and I love that she, she came back to us and told us, you know, not only did she knock it out of the park and it went really well, but the seller agreed with all of her recommendations. Yes, it might not be the right time for me to buy and sell right now or to sell right now and to move right now. And also just that they did have some things that they need to take care of and that they need to do. And they very much appreciated her being honest with them in that moment. Yeah. And for those people you do need to go in person with, it's our same things as the buyer stuff. Make sure you're wearing gloves, minimize your exposure, wash your stuff when you get home. Now, one of the things that our MLS rules requires is that if your home is active on the market, you have to allow showings. You cannot be completely denying showings all the time. If you're doing that, you need to be temporary hold or you need to be withdrawn. Sure. We um, initially updated our rules to say you did not have to allow active showings if you had a full video walkthrough of your home. We discovered that that would put a burden on some people to have a third outside party come into the home to shoot that video if they didn't have the capabilities. So we have actually removed that requirement in our MLS completely, and a seller can keep their home active on the market with no in-person showings as long as there's one photo of the property, which I personally think there need to be more than one photo of the property, but that's my own personal opinion on this situation. However, what we're now seeing is that these listing agents are putting into the agent remarks in the MLS that your buyer is welcome to write an offer not having seen the person in home or the home in person, but contingent upon then getting an in-person showing within 24 hours of an agreed upon thing. We're seeing um, people with like newborn infants in their house. They don't want anybody coming through, but they need to sell their house. So this is the option to where based on seeing the photos of your property, I want to write an offer. We can agree to it. Now I can see it within 24 hours. That's way cutting down on traffic coming through the property. And I think is should be Um, I think going forward, a best practice is not going to be allowing only one home. It will be having a full video walkthrough and some of these other things, but I can see some changes coming forward from this. Well, and what's really interesting about that is if, if you're actually seeing that, uh, met with, with some degree of success where the seller has at least one photo, hopefully more, but probably video and buyers are actually responding to that and writing offers. It means that not only is it working, but it means that they're respecting each other's space and concerns for health, and they're still wanting to move forward. So it, it, it almost takes a lot of what the, the myths that we tell buyers and sellers um, about purchasing real estate, um, it, it dispels them a bit that you can. Now, granted, there are, there are best practices for any listing. You should have numerous photos as long as it's possible. Videos are really well responded to by purchasers. But real estate is still happening. And I think that's the important point to make is that even with extreme precautions like these, which we hope we'll never have to see again, real estate is still happening because shelter is essential. And 
the need to buy and sell is is there. Mm-hmm. I right. Agree. So when when a vac- when the property is vacant, we already talked about it's a little bit easier to allow for showings. You know, you were able to drive to a vacant property. Your buyers were able to go in one at a time. You had gone in with gloves on and opened up the, all the doors and the cabinets and the closets and all of that so that they could touch as little as possible. But when it is an occupied property and showings are necessary because the seller does have to sell, what are some precautions that you're seeing being put in place when a physical visit is actually desired by the buyer, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe before writing a contract or maybe once they are under contract, but at some point, most of the time they're going to want or need to visit the property. So we've actually put some additional precautions into our MLS uh, with showing time. Yes, showing time bought out CSS. I was trying to not get it wrong. Um, Showing time. We are not allowing any overlapping showings with showing time right now. And we are requiring a 45-minute time frame between showings. So we can't even have back-to-back showings within our MLS. So that's one precaution we put into place for our members whether they like it or not for the sellers that need to remain in their home during this time it goes back to kind of we're talking about buyers Um, we are asking sellers to wipe down all the surfaces uh, before they leave the home we're asking them to turn on all the lights we're asking them to you know open all the doors and then we're asking them to remain out of the home for at least 45 minutes after um, they've left there's some research How long the virus can live active on a surface is debated anywhere from a half a second to 17 days. But most of the research we're seeing is on most surfaces, the active virus lives for about 34 minutes. So that's why we established the 45-minute timeline like we did. And again, the disclaimer being that no one at your MLS is a medical professional. You are not. But you're just using the data and the information that you have um, that is coming from credible sources. We think there's so many unknowns, but at least it's giving, it's giving information that the appearance of, and I don't mean appearance in a bad way because we're not trying to fool anyone, but it's just putting precautions in place that are meant to protect if possible, um, which I think is important. And the other part of this is, is none of this is set in stone. We've actually already changed things. It actually, there's usually at least one rule that changes per day. Because as we get additional information, we are making changes based off that new information that's coming into us. So if we get information that services last for one day, then one showing's going to happen for one day. I mean, it's just we're trying to be make the best decisions we can based on the information available at that time, but knowing that it's changing daily, sometimes hourly. Somebody said earlier today on one of my conference calls, you know, right now an hour almost feels like a day. And I was like, oh, it does. It, just the way in which everything's happening, whether it's stressful or waiting for a response or whatever, an hour feels like a day right now. Right. Yeah, it does. Um, And uh, one of the things that my broker has put into place for our occupied listings is um, similar to the hold harmless that you mentioned for buyers and sellers um, is a document that they, they read and sign that's where they get to choose if they want showings to proceed as normal meaning we'll schedule them. We don't have those restrictions in our MLS right now as far as you know, overlapping showings and all of that. That's been left to the discretion of the agent. Um, however, we have a document that we send out to our sellers. They sign whether they want showings to proceed as normal or they want showings to proceed with new precautions in place. And those precautions include no overlapping showings, um, a health questionnaire that you... Um, my buyers, or I'm, I'm sorry, my brokers created as a paper document, and I actually went ahead and put it into a Google form so that if you want to enter that occupied property, it um, the agent fills it out with their name and company, and then they there's a box that says, you know, by checking this box, I am attesting to the fact that I've discussed the following four questions with my buyers, and I'm answering on behalf of all of us. No one who will be entering the property has had a fever in the last 24 hours. No one who's entering the property has respiratory issues or difficulty breathing. No one has been out of the country or returned from another country in the last 14 days. And uh, no one has had exposure that they know of to anyone who has had any of these symptoms or has been uh, tested positively for the coronavirus. Now, again, 
Is that an absolute foolproof uh, process? No, because any of those, the answers to any of those questions, except for the traveling outside the country, could change in, in the blink of an eye. But it's one extra piece of the puzzle. And I was afraid we would have pushback from other agents. Um, and the very few that have shown my occupied listings uh, didn't have any problem filling it out. Most of them thanked me, asked if they could then use it. The only pushback we got was from a home inspector, but his pushback was, I can't get the Google form to work on my phone. <laughs> so we had to ask him to please go to his laptop and, and try to do it that way. So what I'm finding, similar to your comment earlier about buyers being willing to make offers on properties that they haven't physically seen yet, is that there's a great respect out there amongst everyone I've dealt with personally in a transaction process for the precautions that individuals are putting into place either on behalf of themselves or on behalf of their clients for trying to make sure that they and anyone they come in contact with stays healthy. Well, and I think the really important thing is we're not getting that pushback because for the people who have to buy and sell during this time, they understand how vital it is for them to buy and sell during this time and the precautions that need to be in place for them to do it. I think if we get any pushback, it's going to be from the people who don't have to buy and sell during this time. And that's just a hurdle they don't want to have to go through. But for people that have to have shelter or have to get rid of the shelter that they have, they're not going to push back on these things because shelter is so vital to them that they will do whatever they have to, to have that shelter. Right. I agree. So one last thing I want to talk about, and you brought it up already, which is, um, which is funny, but it's something that you bring up a lot and I so appreciate it and you've made me think differently. But this is a scary time. If, we, if we're talking just for people in our profession, people in our industry, we are generally used to being very social people. Now, I know that doesn't mean we're all extroverts, but we, we are used to interacting with our clients, interacting with the public, with each other, going to broker open houses or weekend open houses, uh, going on listing appointments, showing properties, going to closings and inspections and walkthroughs and all of those things and seeing people. And those are the things, those are the activities that are dollar productive for us. Those are the things that earn us ultimately our living and our paycheck. So in a time where we're being told to stay home and we're being told to limit contact with people, it really is easy to, for your mindset to switch and to start thinking at least thinking, if not acting, from a place of scarcity. And you do such a great job when you teach, but also just in, in what I see of you being, you know, you being my best friend and seeing a lot of you. Um, you do a lot, you do a really good job of discussing the differences between coming from scarcity versus coming from abundance. And I think it's important, that's an important message for people to hear right now. So what advice do you have for those people who are struggling? Because I think we're struggling for a lot of reasons. I think the, the extroverts are struggling from a lack of contact and social activity and the ability to be themselves. If you're a single person and you are sheltering in place at home by yourself and you don't have a roommate or even a pet, you're struggling just from loneliness and lack of contact. If you really are having trouble doing business right now, you're struggling thinking about your finances or how you're, if you're not getting a paycheck, you can't even live paycheck to paycheck right now. So how do you talk to people about still having the mindset of coming from abundance? So as you know, I've been a strong advocate for talking about mental health in the real estate industry for quite some time. And that was before we got ourselves into the situation we're in now. And I think it is more essential than ever that we have this conversation. Um, when I talk about coming from scarcity versus coming from abundance, I talk about it in um, two different ways. And um, it starts with your perception creates your reality. So the mindset that you set for yourself every day, you will see those things show up. You know, I am two of the most powerful words because for whatever follows it, that's what your destiny becomes. So if I'm tell if somebody says, how are you doing today? I'm stressed out. You're going to be stressed out for the rest of the day. However, during these times, it is completely normal to just feel off. 
uh, I just came from a Zoom with our local presidents of the Missouri Association, and one of our incoming leaders, I guess he's treasurer this year, would be his position. He said, you know, yesterday I just had about 30 minutes where I just felt off. I'm not depressed. I'm not scared. I just don't know what I feel during this time. And, you know, and I keep having conversations with my son who's seven years old and is not going to school. And that's a normal thing for him to do is none of us know how to act during this time. None of us know what's the right thing to do or to say, because there's no protocol for this. None of us have ever had these extended long breaks from school where we shelter in place during our lives. And so one of the things that I think it's really important, and I know whenever I say this, it always sounds trite, but I think we need to recognize that the struggle is real and that during this time, we have to become vulnerable and we have to become transparent. We have to say, I'm struggling and I don't know why, or I don't know what to do with it because 99% of the time, the other person's going to say, oh my God, me too. I thought it was just me. And so I think that's what, when we have more of those conversations, the easier it is to not come from scarcity. Because when you're coming from scarcity, when you say there's not enough, you do that because you think that you're all alone and no one else is feeling what you're feeling. When you come from abundance and realize there's more than enough and there's more than enough from everybody, it's because we're all bonded in this together. Um, I always say it takes a village not to raise a child, but to raise a human. And it's more important than ever to have your village right now. And there can be multiple villages. It's the village you're a part of who you're helping support. You know, I know you and I, we have a group, Marco Polo, that we have right now. And that's a great village for me. I have another one that I started for another group of friends because there was one friend on our text messages. You could just tell she was really struggling. Her husband works nights. Um, so he, she's spending a lot of, even though she has a husband, she's spending a lot of time alone. She's got like seven dogs, but they really can't talk to her. You would get along with her well with all of her dogs, Mark. <laughs> um, anyways, we started a Marco Polo. Um, and I had asked about Marco Polo like two weeks before all of this. And everybody's like, oh, it's an annoying platform. People talk way too much. It's just, it's a time suck. Okay, it is a time suck. Let's, all of our husbands don't like us being on it. However, when she was struggling that day, I said, hey, could I start a Marco Polo with you? And like five other women joined into it. Almost every day she comes on just saying, you guys don't know how much I needed this right now. It's giving her contact with other human beings. And so I think right now we have to reach out, not just to the other realtors, but to even to our, our COI or SOI. It's not lead generation during this time. It's just reaching out as a human being and saying, hey, I was thinking about you. Do you need anything? And maybe the thing they need is just a voice on the other end of the line or on the other side of the email or however you, your method is. But then we need to connect with other human beings during this time because that's what's going to get us through this. And we need to understand it's going to be stressful. We don't have all the answers. Um, I always say that if a problem can be solved with money, it's not really a problem. But I know for a lot of people right now, money is a problem. But when we put it into perspective of life or death, Sometimes it helps us pull away from, I, I may drain my life savings during this time. I might never fully recover from this, but I still have my life. I still have my health. And that's what I think we have to keep focused on is the things that we can control versus the things we can't control. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the good, the good news, if you choose to look at it that way, is we're, we're getting news every day about things that the government is trying to put into place and I don't, we're not going to have a political conversation on here. And quite frankly, I haven't done enough research and I haven't read enough about it yet, but there are, um, forms of assistance that are coming out of the stimulus package. And I know they won't work for everyone. And I know, you know, it's not going to solve all the problems. However, there are financial guidances, I guess, for lack of a better word, there, there are some answers to those financial pieces that are, we're hearing a little bit about every day. So while they may not work for everyone, they should start to provide some relief. But I like that you talk about reaching out to your sphere of influence, to your, your other agent friends, to your, your clients, to your friends from college, to people you see on Facebook, just reaching out to your neighbors, whoever it is, and saying, what do you need right now? Some of them are going to say, some of them are going to have a real estate question. 
-hmm. But that's not even the point. And if they do, great, answer it. That means you can put your knowledge and your skills to work and you can feel useful in this time. But so many of them are going to have a, oh, it's just nice to hear a friendly voice or it's so good to talk to somebody who's not my spouse or my child or not to talk about, you know, eighth grade algebra. I can actually, you know, talk about the real housewives or, you know, something I watched on Netflix last night. It's just being there for the people in your life that might have a need. But also you mentioned vulnerability and it's being able to say, I want to help you with what you need, but also here's what I need right now. And making sure that when we talk about looking out for our own health and safety right now, it's not just making sure that you take off your clothes and go take a shower and use hand sanitizer and wash your hands. It's keeping an eye on your mental health that day and be, and answering that question or answering, finishing that phrase for yourself. I am what, what am I today? What do I need today? What do I need help with? Maybe I need to get out and get some vitamin D. Maybe I need to go for a walk. Maybe I need to get out from behind my laptop. You know, if you're using this time to work on your website, which is what I've been doing or work on your database or work on your, your systems, you've got to take time to step away from the computer because you will get bogged down and it's really easy to get into that feeling of being stressed or thinking too much about the things that should be happening right now that can't because it's out of our control. Yep. Absolutely. It's, you can only control what you can control and a lot of us in real estate are control freaks. And so I think that's, <laughs> I, I'm not talking about either one of us, by the way. Um, oh gosh, no, not, not no, us. Not no, at no, all. no, no, no. Um, but it's recognizing there's certain limits on what we can control during this time and and asking for help when you need it because somebody else probably needs help too. You know, that's why they say there's no such thing as a stupid question because someone else probably has the same question and yet somehow we feel like I don't want to raise my hand and be the one. Right. But usually there's a sense of relief from someone else when that gets said. Absolutely. And this is the time to do it. I mean, ask those questions, be vulnerable, be transparent with your clients, with your sphere of influence, with your friends, um, ask for help if you need it. And um, that's a great way for us to, to end. Now, before we do, though, I do have one question that I'm asking every guest. Oh, yay. Because of you course- You didn't prepare me. I did not prepare you because no one's getting prepared for this question in advance. I like it. But I think it's it, because we are, uh, we are realtors, most of the listeners are going to be connected to the industry in some way if they're not realtors themselves. Um, I want you to think about your dream home. And I, I kind of have a guess on what yours is going to be. But if money, work, obligation, uh, prior commitments, if, if money and, and all of those things were no, no uh, consequence, if you could live anywhere you want, in any style house you want, with any amenities that you want, just your perfect, most amazing dream home, mm -hmm. where would it be? What would it be? D describe it for me. It would be on the beach, probably <laughs> in Cabo. How did I know? <laughs> I know, right? Um, and I'm not really so worried about the house. It would have an infinity style pool outside. Um, I don't need a lot of space. I don't want for a lot of material things, but I love the beach. I love the sun. I love infinity pools. And so my dream home would incorporate all of those things. I would have a lot of space for my son. I know always growing up, I always wanted to have a house with an indoor basketball court because I was a huge basketball player. So if my son becomes a basketball player, he loves to play basketball like I did growing up. Um, he would have, I would have that. Um, an indoor gym with all of the things. Like right now, I have a Peloton bike, uh, but I really want the Peloton tread really, really bad. But I just bought a brand new treadmill and I can't spend another four grand on a treadmill. And it just <laughs> doesn't make financial sense in my brain when I have a, already have a brand new one. Um, but I would have a really nice exercise room. That's something else that's important to me. So that's, I'm not really worried about how many bedrooms or a big fancy kitchen. I mean, I like to cook, but I have a crappy kitchen here and I do just fine. So. <laughs> Well, no, it's, you. it's your dream house. So it's about prioritizing what you want. So um, I love the outdoor you, space, outdoor space, infinity pool, sun, sand, beach, Cabo. Yep. Oh, in our movie room, we have a movie room now. The movie room would move on over. We would have to have that. Yeah. I love it.
Well, thank you so much, Bobby. I appreciate your insight and your recommendations and advice and a little bit about the, the journey that this has taken you on unexpectedly uh, as president of your Realtor Association right now. It, um, they couldn't have a better president and Kansas City, as, as much as I know this is disrupting your year as president, the Kansas City Realtors need to know how lucky they are. They could not have a better president right now to be leading them through uncertain times. So um, I, you know that I admire all that you've been doing, and I know that you have a lot left to do before this is over. But I just want to thank you for your time with us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I've loved doing this. Um, and now that we're going to find out how all this works, we're going to get you on my podcast. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you so much. And I hope that you have a great day and stay healthy and well. Yay. Thank you so much for listening. To find out more about Bobby and to find links to the KCRAR best practices and, of course, the Georgia Realtors best practices, please go to our show notes at garealcast.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to us. Apparently, it helps others to find us and boosts our ratings. Have a great one.